Hello and welcome to Motos and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by the editorial staff at Ultimate Motorcycling. I'm Arthur Coldwells. This week we deal with the very slightly offbeat. You know the old adage that says it's more fun to ride a slow bike fast than a fast bike slowly? Well, this week's episode talks about interesting motorcycles that throw the dyno chart out of the window. Sure, they produce modest horsepower, it's true, but what they lack in motor, they make up for in gigantic dollops of fun. The Honda Grom is a grin-inducing motorcycle that has developed a large cult following. And in the opening segment, I chat with senior editor Nick DeSena after he got back from the launch of the new 2022 model. I wonder if he really enjoyed himself. Resto mods are another area of growing interest, and Matt Rambo at Colorado Norton Works takes the charismatic machines from the 60s and 70s and not just restores them, but he makes them better. We visited his high desert workshop in Dolores, Colorado, and in the second segment, I chat with Matt about his particular take on the iconic brand, how he not just restores Nortons, but how he makes them better. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, well, uh, Nick, hey, thanks for joining me today. I understand that you got to ride the Honda Grom recently. I believe this is actually one of Honda's best-selling motorcycles. Quirky little beast. Very cool. Definitely got a cult following. What were your thoughts on this bad boy? Yeah, I mean, the, the Grom ultimately is just about fun. You know, you, you get on a Grom, you really can't help but smile. It's kind of like, you know, eating ice cream on a summer afternoon. It's <laughs> that, That's just, it's a good time, no matter what, unless you're lactose intolerant. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the, the Grom, like you said, it's developed a cult following since its introduction. And really, I think it's just because it's one of those bikes that just strips down the ego and the, the pomp and circumstance of, of high horsepower or sophisticated machinery and just boils it down into a thing with two wheels and engine and, and a good time. So, you know, that, that's the Grom in a nutshell. Yeah, very much so. I totally agree. So it just boils it down to a, down to a good time. I mean, the Grom is a fun, fun bike. So what, what were your observations? Because you rode this actually at Barber, at the, the Barber track, didn't you? Yeah. So let's, you know, let's qualify this. I, interestingly, I did ride it at Barber Motorsports uh, Park in um, Leeds, Alabama, just outside Birmingham. And I actually did ride the Grom on the racetrack, which was interesting. We did some parade laps, but really the, the backdrop, backdrop for the 2022 Grom launch was the Barber Small Bore Fest, which we do have to talk about the history of that a little bit. So the small bore fest is put on or originally presented by man in the box, which is a aftermarket company that supports everything small bore. So when you're talking about Honda ruckuses, Honda groms, Z 125s, you know, scooters, everything that has 10 and 12 inch wheels and is just, you know, of this, this nature of just two wheels and a good time man in the box has built performance parts for these, these customers. So you'll see souped up Groms with extended swing arms and all sorts of crazy stuff and different engines. And just, it, it's a thing, you know, th this is, this is like going to a Grateful Dead concert. You know, you're among, among like-minded folk, you know, 
originally, you know, man in the box started doing the small bore fest and it, it's gone through a couple different name changes. It was the, uh, uh, Smoky mountain crawl. And then they partnered up with uh, Barber Motorsports Park to do the small bore fest. And that's become the home base for the past couple of years. And so, you know, people come out, they camp, they come out for a three day event. It starts on Friday ends on Sunday and, you know, just do things all small bores. There's Groms and Z125s and tons of other little bikes out there just ripping around and people having a good time. And it's a, it's a whole thing. They have activities, you know, that we'll get into. And um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the gist of it. But for my experience, we flew out there and got to ride the bike on the street and then participated in all of the festivities. Wow, that sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. So I, I guess just to focus on the bike for a moment, are there any differences to, have they made any changes to, to the, over the previous model? Yeah, there are. There's some pretty significant changes and, you know, getting into the nuts and bolts of the, of the Grom is, you know, it, it's always kind of funny because it's a Grom, you know, you just do it. But for the sake of posterity and as a matter of record, we will, because we're professional journalists, but <laughs> you know, um, steady on <laughs> yes. again, asterisks above professional, but, um, you know, there, there have, there have been some notable updates to the, the Grom and all of these things actually make it just a little bit more practical. Uh, I'll, I'll say, so it still has a 125 CC engine, uh, bore and stroke numbers have been fiddled a little bit. Bore is slightly smaller, stroke is slightly longer, still 125 CC engine. The compression ratio is a tiny bit higher, but the main thing that the consumer and what I noticed is the fact that it's gear ratios are a little bit different and it has an extra gear. So it's no longer a four speed. It is a five speed. Wow. That's, that's pretty significant. Yeah. On a little guy like this, that helps because, you know, when we were out exploring the roads out near uh, Barber, you know, fifth gear is essentially an overdrive and you can comfortably cruise in, you know, the 55 mile an hour range and it just kind of, you know, puts along and does its thing. And it doesn't feel like it's just screaming off the red line. You know, that's definitely beneficial. The other, the other change to the engine, and because it is an all new engine, is that they've actually improved servicing the engine. So before, and you'll be able to comment on this, you know, with, with older engines, they used to have a thing called an oil catch, which was just kind of like a spinner device that essentially acted as, as an oil cleaner uh, or an oil filter. And now this new engine has a conventional, you know, oil, oil filter that you just pop in and out from the cover on the side. Before with the oil catch system, you actually had to pop off the entire side cover the engine get in there and it just made servicing the motor a little bit more painstaking now it's like you know changing the oil on a dirt bike you pull the drain plug dump the oil pop off the, the cover plate for the filter and pop in a new one you're good to go so that's that's cool and the the other the other changes really come down to the seat being a little bit flatter and it just kind of gives you a little bit more room overall and then the other things are are visual so the body paneling comes off with three bolts and they have all sort of sorts of graphics packages that go along with it. You know, stuff like HRC colors, camo, you know, really they're, they're harping on the fact that the Grom is this, this hotbed of customization, which was fully represented at the Barber small bore event. And they also gave it um, a new dash, which is a lot cleaner to read. It's still, 
a little LCD dash, you know, pretty simplistic, but it's, it's a lot, a lot more visually appealing and, and much easier to read in, in direct sunlight. So, so is this, I mean, do, do you, do you like the bike or is this just, or is this just a sort of a, a, a joke bike that's, that's, uh, you know, fun for a, for a short period of time. And then you're like, mm, no, just give me a real motorcycle, please. Well, it, it, it depends on what you're using it for. You know, I think the appeal to the Grom is that anyone can ride it. And in that sense, you know, it, it really, if you want to look at it from a practical perspective, someone that's getting into motorcycles, if one of their buddies has a Grom, you could easily teach someone how to get the basics, you know, the, uh, of, of how to ride a motorcycle on this thing. And riding around on the street, I was having a blast. And I'll, I'll say this with most, you know, motorcycles of this nature, they're better with friends, which is why the small bore event is such a good time because you just have a million Groms or Z125s or, right. you know, other little small bore motorcycles zipping around and um, engaging in hooligan behavior. And, <laughs> and it's, that's what it's about. So are you going to tour across the country? No, but I did meet a kid that rode from Oklahoma to Anchorage, Alaska, to Los Angeles, and then back to Oklahoma on a Grom. Wow. So he's braver than me. But <laughs> um, I mean, what's the, what's the top speed on this thing? I mean, with the, with the, fi- with the fifth gear. Yeah. So we would do like 60, 70. It actually, I, I think on flat grounds, we were getting them up to like 63, 64, 65 miles an hour. Now downhill and with a strong breeze behind us, I think I got it up to about 74 miles an hour. Okay. But, uh, okay. You know, it, it'll <laughs> go. So does it have that same practicality as, uh, as you know, like a, a CB 500 X or something like that? Well, uh, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of like the, you know, like the KTM 200, um, you know, which is much more of a real motorcycle. That's more of a full size motorcycle. This is like half the size of that. Right. And, uh, for r- shorter trips, and interestingly, we we did a decent amount of miles out on the road, um, <laughs> something like like fifty or sixty miles, just kind of going through twisty bits of road and having fun. But again, you're with a group, so everything's you know silly and you know, everyone's laughing, laugh. and you're jumping off curbs and you know, stuff like that. And um, it sounds freaking great, I have to say. It sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. Like again, Groms are about getting a gang of Groms together, and then. City's got to watch out. You're going to paint the town Honda red. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's so no, like a, a Grom doesn't have the same practicality as, you know, many of their other motorcycles in the lineup, but it's not supposed to do that. It's just supposed to be a good time. It's right. It's the, one of the, it's their best selling street bike, as far as I understand it, selling something like 8,000 units a year, which is insane for one model specifically. It's crazy. Um, and that's, that's just talking about the US. I mean, they're, they're, they're inexpensive, which probably helps explain that. Yeah. Um, what are they like? They're around three grand, I think, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, base price, if you get the non-ABS version, is $3,399. So a lot of people buy these because they're like, oh, I'm just going to pick this thing up. And it's, you know, their second or third, fourth, fifth, whatever motorcycle. Right. Um, you know, for short trips, if you like, we're really going to try to justify this to uh, a spouse and you're like, Oh, it's great. Great grocery getter. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. You're not going to ride across the state. I mean, you can, but we've all seen dumb and dumber. We know how that ends. 
But uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, this thing is just about, you know, short fun. It's, it's a fun afternoon. That, that's what it's about. So, sure. I mean, it has, uh, it has a sort of, you know, fat tires and what have you. So, you know, presumably it's sort of, I wouldn't say it's capable off-road, but I mean, I live on a ranch, so it actually sounds like an ideal sort of buzz around the ranch or, you know, paddock bike, all of that stuff as well. Yeah. So I, I will say that of, of the press trips I've done, um, this, this press trip offered the most variety in terms of riding. So we, you know, left Barber Motorsports Park and went into the hills and experienced some really cool twisty roads. And we went to the small bore fest where they had all sorts of events planned throughout the day. So you had um, a little cart track set up. So essentially a tiny racetrack, you know, just your typical cart track set up. It had actually had a little banked parabola turn and, and it's part of the Barber Motorsports um, park facilities that they use for like Mercedes Benz owners testing or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> so they had a little cart track and then they had a, a drag race station set up so you could you know, line up against your friends and do drag poles against them. And it was all timed and that was fun. They had a, a Gymkhana course right there, Gymkhana. I never understood the pronunciation of that word. And then to get to your point about off-roading, they had the uh, the Creek Bottom Classic, which was off in the woods of Barber Motorsports Park, you know, off in the Seton Hills, a little off-road course. And um, I'm not proud to say it, but I was the first victim of the Creek Bottom Classic that day. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, it's a uh, a race of carnage and endurance you know <laughs> the good thing is there's not there's not that far to fall which i suppose is good yeah no it, it's it's um you know like you said the thing is light it's you can just physically grab it and move it around if you need to so you know riding a grom off road is kind of hilarious and fun and, and that's what it's about is just having a good time and crashing and stuff like that and you know so we're in the the kind of semi muddy you know creek bottom classic and um, we did some some uh, exhibition laps, and uh, oh, yeah, I, I got a little too uh, too excited, and uh, you know, got myself covered in mud. Yeah, bike took it; it was fine, no big deal. What happened afterwards was just typical Creek Bottom Classic activities with a handful of guys on groms and ruckuses and all sorts of other things, and hopped up scooters and stuff like that, just rampaging off road and using the the wrong tool for the the wrong job. But that's what that Creek Bottom Classic is about. Getting it done, right. you know, square peg, round hole style. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, then they also have the hill climb. So, you know, you've all seen hill climb fail videos on YouTube, which is, you know, interestingly, a lot of people complete the hill climb, like a lot of them. And uh, <laughs> you'll see all sorts of crazy two-stroke small bore things going up. You know, I saw a pretty much stock Grom do it. So it's a pretty steep hill climb in that Alabama clay and it has the horsepower to get up that? Yeah, I mean, we're hitting double digits now these days because of that engine update. <laughs> you know, Honda doesn't actually claim horsepower figures, but really, I think you're you're probably getting in up into that like, 810 horsepower area. Right, okay. But um, yeah, it, it it does it. And, um, you know, someone did it on a, on a previous gen Grom with, you know, street tires and the hill climb has some obstacles. So it's got a little log and... Then they have a little like trough trough thing. And, you know, it, it's just about having fun. And yeah, you know, half the people leave covered in mud and <laughs> stuff like that. But, you know, that that's that's the whole enjoyment of the small board fest. It's it's just about getting out there and having fr having fun with friends and, and, and just 
you know, doing it. And, and really if, if the bike tips over, nothing's going to happen. Like it, it's, it's fine. Everything can be pushed back into place pretty, pretty easily. So it's, it's not a big deal. Right. Right. I'm a, I'm a pretty tall guy. I mean, I'm six foot tall and I'm, I'm lanky. Can I, could I ride a Grom? I mean, or, I mean, these things, or do you have to be, can, can a, a normal sized guy, an average sized person ride one of these things in comfort? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm 5'10", you know, 32 inch inseam, you know, fairly, fairly average proportions and I fit on it fine. I, I would not say I'm cramped on a Grom, which again, looking at the photos of it might seem a little odd, but really it's just a very typical upright riding position. Yes, it feels small, but not insanely small. It's not pocket bike size. Okay. It's, um, you know, probably just half the size of your, your average, your average motorcycle. Okay. Um, okay. Cause Honda also make the monkey. Um, yes. Sort of loosely based on the on the Honda, you know, seventy trail of the of, of years gone by. What's the difference between the Grom and the Monkey? Is there uh, are they you know similar genre or, or are they really very different? Well, they're all they're all part of the the Mini Moto family, which includes you know the the Monkey, the Super Cub, the Trail One Two Five, okay, and and the Grom. Um, and uh, until this year, they were all built on the same platform. They all shared engines and uh, other components and stuff like that. But um, the 2022 Grom is the latest version. So it has the most updated engine. But last year, the Grom and the the Monkey were the same bike with different aesthetics. Um, so they had the same chassis, okay. stuff like that. Ostensibly, the, the Monkey will probably get the, the update that the Grom got. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so what size engine is it in, in this thing again? Is it a 125? Yes. Right. Okay. One, two, five single. Okay. Uh, and now with a five speed gearbox. Yeah. Is there anything, is there anything that you'd really like to see them do to the Grom? Is there, is there some sort of giant thing that's missing or, um, no, 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 no. I mean, it is what it is. It's just a great little fun machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, again, if you try to get into the hardcore nuts and bolts of it, you know, you can complain about, braking power or suspension or anything <laughs> like this. And it's like, well, it's a Grom. Okay. You know, you, you have to just kind of take it at face value and, and not compare it to super bikes. You know, you really got to get away from that, that mentality because right. it is a bike that's built down to a price point, you know? So if you grab the brakes, you're, you will blow through the, the suspension stroke and, <laughs> and, and by grabbing them, I mean, just ham fisting, you can, the, the suspension is totally adequate for the application that it's trying to do. It's more than supportive. You know, the shifting is more than competent. It's like, yeah, the gearbox could be better. These things, it could have better brakes, it could have better suspension. Then it would be way more expensive and more sophisticated. And who cares? It's a Grom. And if you do care, and if you do care, and, then, and you know, people might take that as a knock against the product, but really, no, it's just a fun little bike. And, right. you know, don't, don't get lost in the spec sheet. Right. And if you do care, there's a vibrant aftermarket. So yeah. you know, if you want to upgrade stuff, do. Otherwise, enjoy it for the for, for what it is. Yeah. And, and on the aftermarket support note, that's more about just uh, accentuating the fun, we'll say. I mean, it, it takes a certain type of personality to extend the swing arm of a Grom and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, do stuff like that. I mean, I, I lined up against with a stock stock realm against someone that had a 
an original Honda Mini that was extremely souped up. I, I mean, he pulled on me faster than, than you know, like a, a, a 300cc motorcycle. It was unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> the, the fact that it got off the line that quick, I was, I was pretty amazed. And right. the things that people do to these bikes at, at the fest and turn them into little drag bikes and or little hill climb machines with paddle tires and <laughs> all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, the, the Grom stunters with cages bolted on and it's, it's really just this, this thing that you, you, you turn into your, your little weekend fun machine right. and go from there. And again, it's affordable, highly customizable and best paired with a group of friends. So excellent. That, that's what it's about. Excellent. Sounds like a great subculture out there and uh, God bless them for it. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. And the main thing is like everything is positive. It's not a, you know, we both come from the, from the performance and racetrack world and, you know, egos can get pretty, pretty inflated in that environment. And it's not like that. This is just about having fun, you know, the, the easiest path to fun. So whether that's in a parking lot, just doing skids and, wheelies and stuff or you know romping around in a grass lot or something it's you know that's what the grunt's about sounds great all right well thanks nick i appreciate your thoughts on that and uh sounds like uh, i've got to try and make the effort to get to the small ball fest at barber motorsports park next year yeah yeah it's a good time all right thanks man talk to you soon all right, take care all right bye Thanks, Nick. I appreciate your thoughts on the Honda Grom. Okay, on to the second segment where I get to chat with Matt Rambo at Norton Colorado Works. So, Matt, so you've been in business since like... 1997. 1997. Yeah. And you basically take Norton motorcycles and make them better. Yes. Now, as an Englishman, I can easily say, I feel comfortable saying that isn't hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, anything. Anything oh, okay. you can do would be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every nut and bolt now. Uh, but it's all about saving what's beautiful and great about the commando and then right. taking those things that were bad, the shortcomings, oh. and fixing that. So you end up with a rest mod Right. By comparison, you know, it's just a bike that, that looks like the vintage machine, but it Keeps has modern electronics, soul. modern brakes, suspension right. upgrades. And so right. people can ride them and enjoy them instead of just looking at them. Right. Right. What would you say is your most, is the most popular upgrade you do? Well, it used to be the Brembo brake system. Okay. Because... The original brake being a first generation disc in 1972 it was not all that great. Um, and brakes, maybe more than anything, is, is important on these bikes. You know, Whole brakes one thing is the, sort of the hallmark of an old motorcycle to me. Yeah. But in today's traffic, traffic if you're going to have a bike that you enjoy riding, yeah. you have to be comfortable with the systems working on it. And if you have a bike where you the f traffic in front of you stopped and you don't know if you're going to oh tell me or about not. it yeah that's uncomfortable yeah i mean daniel has lots of nortons what is it 25 25 27 or something that's a couple yeah <clears throat> and essentially he usually sort of tells me you know okay you know let's ride the nortons this weekend and which one do you want to take i always pick the one with the best brakes yeah 
So, you know, you're in that traffic, you have a drum brake system, it gets a little scary, but it's still beautiful to look at. And on the right road where there is no traffic, yeah. it's one thing. But that was one of the first things I did about 15 years ago was contact Brembo. And together with them, worked out a bolt-up system so you still have your stock hub. You don't need to make any changes. Okay. You bolt up a proper disc, full floating, right. with a Brembo caliper and right. master cylinder. And all of a sudden, you have right. a brake system. And the one that was leading the charge on this was actually Mr. Schoenwald <laughs> at the meeting in, what was that? Delmore. Delmore. When they, they still have that? I'm not sure. So we were set up in a booth and Daniel came up and said, hey, I've just been talking to those Brembo guys next door there. And, oh, what about this and that? And so this, that's what sparked it. And it's, uh, it's been wonderful. Right. You know, and, and it's a simple upgrade and people love it because sure. again, it lets them be comfortable. Sure. Like they don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, today, without a doubt, it's the e-start system. The what system? The electric start conversion. Oh, the electric start conversion. Right. So here we, sure. we have my target group or, or my customers are in the 55 to 75 range. After that, they sure. more or less stop riding. I have some 80-year-olds too. But right. those people are more or less starting to be unable to kick the bike for whatever reason. Right. You know, it could be injuries. It could be conditions. It could be... Sure. You name it. It's uncomfortable. I'm, they, si I'm 63 and I can't kick the yeah. bike. I mean, it's injuries. And it may first thing in the morning, everything's right. cool. It's perfect. In the garage, you go to the local tavern. Right. And guess what? <laughs> it doesn't start. And right. you know this, taking right. it out. So yeah. what do you do? You take the Ducati instead. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> you don't want to be uncomfortably left, you know, yeah. kicking that while everybody's watching. Right. But with a push button start, it just gives you sure. the opportunity to, here's my old yeah. commando, and all of a sudden, now it's friendly. It's user-friendly That is literally again. the difference that, that, would, that, would either, that would make me buy a commando right. instead of not exactly. buying one. And imagine you have this bike that you've had for maybe 10, 15 years. You put, you did a new paint job, I did it. All the things you wanted to do make it yours. Sure. And now you can't kick it anymore. So your option is, like, you've got to go out and buy an e-start commando, but it's not mine anymore. Right. It's not the one I put all the work into. Right, and a lot of people have emotional connections right. to the, their bike, of course. So now you have a system that requires no modifications. You yeah. just take the primary off, you put mine on. Right. It takes like six, seven hours, but right. then you're done. Right. And if you ever want to take it off, nobody would ever know it was ever on there. Sure. So you're not cobbling anything up, you're not cutting into the frame or anything sure. like that. Now, how, how much is a, a kit like that? So just 2500 2500 And that comes with a belt drive. So you're getting two systems okay. in a way. You're getting an e-start right. and you're getting a lightweight, modern belt drive system. Sure, sure. I would imagine, you, do you do a lot to suspension on the bike? No, I really don't. I mean, they really, yeah. it works really well. I mean, the, once and we get the flipping things going, they're awesome riding bikes. And we've had so much fun over the you years. You know, it's a relatively lightweight bike. It has... Right. Good usable horsepower, but it's yeah. nothing crazy. You have right. 40, 50, 60 horse at the rear wheel, and, and it's you've very got lots of torque, lots right. of low down exactly. torque. Exactly, so that makes it usable. Right. But suspension is not great, Right. but where do you stop? Right, sure. I wanted the best possible brake system because that's a no-brainer, but I don't want an upside-down fork and a single shock in the back and no, an aluminum no, no. swing arm because 
Then you're changing the nature of the beast. Now it's not a command. Well, and also you're changing the looks. Right. I was, I was more wondering if you sort of upgraded the internals at all. We do if minor change, things. change the valving Just a bit. Just minor or, things. Yeah. That makes it a little bit better. But right. um, I didn't want to you know, completely change it over. Because right. the, my balancing act, as these evolved over the years, was to make sure I retained that feel and look of the commando. Sure. And don't cross over to something that all of a sudden it's not one anymore. Sure. It's better maybe, but you right. may as well build a Honda then. Right, right, right. The, uh, the bike that you just finished that was just collected, you started, that was, sounded really nice. Yeah. It didn't sound like a Norton. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> put really a good. little louder so, muffler. So what was that? I noticed it had like a little... Yeah, a little cocktail shakers, and that was the customer request. Okay. You know, I didn't pick that because when I build bikes, my customers have a lot of input. Right. Colors, and you can't argue taste. No. So while certain color schemes is not what I would necessarily choose, um, if somebody wants it, then Well, if they hate beauties, yeah. the other beholder. Exactly. So, yeah. and the same thing, he insisted on, he didn't really like the pea shooters, which I personally really like. And, and, like and the they're, they're authentic. Yeah, So exactly. you want to keep that authentic. He wanted look. that, and one day he may change his mind. Right. Easy to put, you know, nothing's you changed. Yeah, yeah, you just put a different exhaust. Sure. Sure. So it's not do. like we're cutting into the frames and changing yeah. something else. Yeah. Like you do exquisite work, but Thank you. I, I understand that you've now, as of last year, you've decided to stop building customer spec motorcycles and you're now going much more into this sort of the, the parts type of right. business. Because the parts And I can business, totally see yeah. that. I mean, it's for everyone that's willing to step up to go through this process, which is lengthy and expensive. Sure. There are a hundred or five hundred working on their own machines, right. and that's the group I want to support more. Right. Um, and that in itself is a full-time job now. So right. I'm finding myself running thin. I have sure. one employee, but he does the prep and he polishes and stuff like that. Sure. So I'm the only one building the bikes, only one doing the parts. There's only one of me, and I can't. Sure. I can't just you know make I sense out that. of it because. I'm upsetting the customers that are waiting for their bikes because they're right. not done on in time. And then right. you got daily shipments having to go out. So it's and you've got geographical limitations for the, for the customers. I mean, if you've got a guy in you know, Singapore who you know, wants a commando built right. by you, that's a, I would imagine that's quite a big project and we can still just ship. to get the bike to you and yeah. ship. I mean, that's but a then lot. what I would do in that case or did, um, I would find a core bike. Okay. Here in the U.S., you spend a few thousand dollars, you get the core bike, you build on that, and then you export that bike, or right. he imports it. And he sends you pictures and texts of what yeah. he wants. And yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's a small world when it comes to the Internet, because sure. we can communicate. And I have probably 20% of my total sales have been overseas. Wow. Yeah, so it's a big market. I have a dozen bikes, Australia, New Zealand. Also doesn't in Europe. I do have um, some in Japan and Singapore, actually, as it turns out. Right. And uh, right. Yeah, so they're all over the place. Sure. Are you ever asked to do any sort of performance upgrades to the engine? I mean, do you... We do mild. Again, reliability I mean, again, is big Dan for me. Daniel's bikes, I've noticed that they're, they're very different performing. Yeah. We do our little sort of roll-on 
you know, things with the third gear, and we go one, and we, you know, we roll on together. And his fastback is definitely the king of the Nortons that he's got. It is noticeably quicker than the others. I mean, it's quite interesting. I think, it's, you know, it's easy to make horsepower, but it's hard to keep it together. So again, okay. it's the balancing act. You, you mean know, from a reliability point exactly. of view? Exactly. Right, you right, can right. make this a, a big bore twin, well over a thousand cc's, and, and just <laughs> pushing it on the same cases and same crank possibly, and now you're going to damage some things right. you know, over miles. Okay. So I think it's more important to bump the horsepower to a reasonable level, right. retain that reliability, right. and not get the call from a customer that, hey, it was running beautifully, uh, why is all the oil in the crankshaft laying in my driveway? Right. You know, because right. then it's not a happy customer anymore. And it's so also, I stay it's away also the it. quickest way to make a bike handle badly yeah. is to add sure. horsepower. So and, you know, they designed well these. I think they, they took a lot of care putting these things together, actually. Well, maybe they didn't. But they, they put the package together. Right. And we can't stray too far from that, I don't think. You know, you don't want yeah. a 100 horsepower commando. That's not a comfortable bike to be on. Because no. then the suspension really shows up that sure. this is not sure. enough. Yeah, the frame's going Brains, to twist yeah, itself exactly. into knots. And, and what's the gearbox going to do when your final drive? I mean, everything takes. takes yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine people yeah. are going to go for crazy horsepower. Right. But so we have a mild. But I just I call wondered it, if there was like yeah. a sort of a mild tuned. And I do, or did, right. as it turns <laughs> out. Um, so what's going to happen is that I'm still going to build bikes, okay. but there's not going to be a customer associated with that machine. I love building bikes. Right. But if you look around the shop right now, each one of these have a, has a customer attached and there's another dozen frames and they're waiting for their turn. Wow. So those are people that I need to communicate with and I'm not very good at it because I keep my head down building and I keep my head down shipping and just keeping <laughs> right. the shop going. Sure. Um, so I fall a little short there, but the fact is it's, that's a lot of stress. You know, and I be. want to get away from that, build right. the bikes like I used to, right. have some fun with it. You put said it you were going to make them to your specification, yeah. and that's so if I want to be a blue lot one, easier. This is going to be so blue, and I want this brake system, right. and I want black wheels, you know, and then when it's done, it's for sale. Right, sure. And if you don't like blue, tough. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, wait till the next one. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I'm heading. And then in the meantime, the part sales will be a lot friendlier to control right. and develop new parts. I mean, I'm constantly sure. thinking up new parts. Um, we are actually redeveloping the Brembo system as we speak. Okay. There's going to be a couple of new uh, kits available. Sure. And, um, yeah. Have you played around with the gearbox at all? Do you, no. do you go to sort of like, you know, five speeds and six speeds or anything? Or? Really like that little original four speed. Right. And... Yeah, they're well-spaced, the ratios, yeah. they are. And a lot of gearboxes, you know, what they do is they're going to give you the same first, same final, right. another gear in between. And one of the beauties I like with the Commando is it doesn't matter if you're in first, second, or third, you know, you roll on the throttle and it goes. And you've always got power, yeah. Yeah, so they have those yeah. nice tall gears instead of yeah. shifting all the time. Yeah. So maybe for a racer that yeah. has to have that exact speed, you know, coming out of the corner. Right. A five-speed or even six-speed would be preferred, but 
for but riding no, on a twisty two street. laner. I like these yeah. four speed. But these are these are street bikes, though. You don't yeah. make race bikes, though, do you? Well, the guys that no, I don't. Right. But the guys that run in the vintage I classes, yeah. and they can spend as much on a gearbox as they can spend on an engine. Wow. You know, there are a couple of actually in New Zealand. There is a gearbox right. manufacturer, there. right? And they're quite expensive. Sure. And then, of course, you're dealing with electrics. And I look around here and I see, you know, wires hanging out of and beautifully rewired by. Yeah. So I wire uh, each and every one from scratch, build my own harnesses, use aircraft quality wiring. Daniel can appreciate good wiring quality because. Yeah. The original harness is nothing but a mess. And the only thing you should do with that is yank the whole thing out and hang it on the wall. Right. And um, then everything gets wired just as it needs to be wired into the bike. There's not, nothing extra. It's quite simple. Okay. And um, reliability again. Right. You know, right. It's, you're not going to have wiring issues on one of these like you would on an original where a, a block under the tank where two wires were mating. It's rusting internally. You never see it. And all of a sudden right. something's starting to fail and you don't know why. Yeah. That's really nice. Well, I mean, what, what got you into this? I mean, what got you started? I mean, what, what were you doing pre-1997? Um, a few different things. I'm originally from Sweden, born okay. and raised. I came over here in 1984 to be a ski bum. Oh. In Vail, All right. Colorado. Um, and was there for six months, went home, sold everything I owned and came back here for, for good. Right. And then I was always interested and was building vintage American cars over there. So that was kind of my hobby. Right. And I had a little storage unit where I was doing that while working in the ski industry. Right. And um, the guy next to me was doing the same thing I was doing with Norton's. And one day he said, hey, Matt, take one of these for a spin. (laughs) And that was in 91. And I did. And that was it. That was fun. That was great. What great sound, great fit for me. I'm not a big guy. That was just a perfect bike. So you've never been attracted to a different brand or thought about no. branching out to a different brand? Never. They never was wanted to go to Triumphs or, no. or, you know, Ariel. I built a Triumph, but that was just because I wanted to see if I could. Right. Um, yeah, so in 92, I drug my first Norton out of a barn that was all locked up. And that, that's what started it, really. Right. Because I didn't have that preconceived idea, you got to restore a bike to spec, you know, to the original. Right. I wanted to make it mine, so I painted the fenders, I lowered it to fit sure. me, and did some things that hadn't been necessarily done before. And people liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then the guy that had the storage unit next to mine, Doug, uh, and I formed Colorado Norton Works in 97. Okay. I think the first year we built one. Like, yes, <laughs> we have made it. <laughs> and, then, and, uh, and then it just evolved from there. Uh, Doug and I saw things differently. I wanted to take it places where I knew I could, and he didn't. Right. So in 2004, we separated. Right, right. Uh, you know, as business partners, well, I th- and I, th- I just th- took it to this level. Sure, sure. I mean, there's definitely a, a disparity in choice between staying completely faithful to the original 
like 100% faithful or doing, as you say, like a sort of a resto mod. Right. Um, and I think some people prefer to go to stay absolutely 100% original. Sure. Oh, you know, you know, I'd rather have everything just perfect, even though it is flawed, rather than use updated technology absolutely. to make it a better motorcycle. But I think there is the room original for lessons. Both. I think there's, there's definitely room for both. both. And I, th I, I think, think that just shows what a great bike it is. I, I, I think there definitely is. You know, some 100%. bikes, of course, yeah. um, you don't ever see a modified Bruff Superior, right? No. You wouldn't true. dare. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's got to be original. Right. Vincent's, there may be a couple that are modified. I know a guy that has a couple, but sure. for the most part, what you got to restore it. Yeah. The Commando has that great broad audience where a guy will do that 100-point restorations, everything is perfect, just sure. the way he left the factory. Sure. And at the other end, maybe one of mine, and then there are dozens in between. And that's the market that, that I will support for those guys that, I love my bikes, or my bike, everything about it, right. but I need a brake system. Right. So sure. there may be one or two things that they want. Right. Yeah. So. And you they can, can keep they yeah. can keep the original brake system and just keep it in the in the garage and yeah. say, hey, if at any time I want to, I can put it back I to know. original, you know. But when I ride it, I'd rather have decent Absolutely. brakes on it. it and so, I, I'm one of those guys. And I think, you know, if you're like Daniel and have a large number of bikes, there is room for both. Yeah, I'm sure Daniel has a couple that, hey, this is how it left the factory. You know, we're not right. going to mess with it. Because right. they're getting He's got one. Yeah, I th I think I can appreciate the originals for sure. For sure. But when the question comes up, what are you going to ride? That right. may not be the one right. that people will pick. Sure. You know. Well, there are some people that take it to the nth degree and they're sort of barn find and they won't even tidy it up. Right. I mean, they'll sort of hose it down and wipe it down with a cloth, and there <laughs> it is. And I'm going to ride it like that. You yeah. Know? And, which, and again, I which can, is kind of cool, you know, and because I can you, appreciate can that. you can never, yeah. you can restore anything, of course, but you can never get an original again. Right. So even if it has some sure. beauty marks yeah. and scuffs, they kind of, and over the years, I was not that guy before because I'm really anal and everything has to be perfect. Right. And that's also my problem, you know, because sure. I can't let it go until of course. it is. And it takes so how do you ever finish it? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all, I still consider all these my bikes. They're just right. being kept by somebody else for the time being. But, sure. um, but over the last several years, I've come to appreciate that the ones that are being used more right. and that are dinged up a little bit, because why not? Sure. You know, it's just a... Sure. It's what they were intended to be, right? I mean, these guys, I like to, to ask people, you know, when they, when they talk about the, these bikes and what I'm doing is, do you, if you would ask the guys building these bikes in 1973, what, what they think is going to happen to these and how is the support going to be for these bikes 50 years from now, they would have just looked at you like you're crazy. Right. It's like, well, you're going to own this for two or three years and you're going to buy a new one. They're not going to be around in 50 years. So it's pretty amazing that we're bringing these back. Sure. And I think the support for these bikes today is better than it was back then. You have all these specialty shops all over the world sure. that are focusing, making parts upgrades for these bikes. And they're really, well, they've got that really sort of, easy to keep on the They've got the classic road. good looks. They, yeah. you know, I mean, 
as much as I love, you know, sort of full fairings and modern sport bikes and all of that kind of stuff, there's something about being able to see all the mechanicalness of the bike, yeah. see the engine and see everything on it. And, and I think people are coming back to that machine. too. Yeah, for sure. My, I've seen a couple of th throwback bikes there, right? Yeah. That you guys rode in on. Right. It's these designs, they're timeless. They're sort of retro. You know, and it's yeah, almost like sure. it went to an extreme, but people started missing that standard bike, the one that's yeah. just, here's everything, you can see the motor, you can see everything. It, it's not uh, a spaceship, but it's a motorcycle. Right. And that hasn't really gone out of style. It has. So you're bringing the design pretty much back right. from something from the 70s. That says a lot sure. for that original and design. These, and these bikes do it all. I mean, you know, if you want to ride fast in the canyons, you can. If you want to ride across country, you can throw some luggage on them and do that. I mean, well, I can, wouldn't recommend it. Not I this country. <laughs> it's too big. Daniel's done it. The Norton Owners Club. I know. The no, route, it can be Route done. 66. But I would rather be in the UK and ride cross country than be in the US to ride cross country, you know. That's a, well, that's a lot of open road, but... Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. I would rather be on a big But in England, you're battling the rain most of the time, so... Yeah, <laughs> but it's just that the, the fact that, oh, I'll be at the end of the road in four hours, so right. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> right, that's true. Okay, well, good. So, uh, so it sounds like you've got the future pretty well mapped out. And, well, this is right. the only thing I know how to do. Right. So I, I got to stick with it. <laughs> Completely unemployable. I know it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I I've know got the it. Same problem. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. No, it's been a f fun road, and I'm not done yet. Good. We'll we'll keep building bikes and parts until nobody wants them anymore. Okay. I think that'll outlive both of us. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank All right. you. See you around. <laughs>